Hello and thanks for listening to the Shrimps Verdict podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. All views and opinions expressed are those of the contributors and not necessarily those of either Beyond Radio or Morecambe Football Club. This podcast has so far reached tens of thousands of people. Thanks very much if you have downloaded and shared the pod. If your business is interested in reaching these people, advertising and sponsorship opportunities are available right now. You can find out more details by dropping me an email to dave.salmon at beyondradio.co.uk, salmon as in the fish, or you can find me on Twitter and send me a message there at dpsalmon. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. After. Morecambe sold a dummy there and Sunderland have a man over in the penalty area and the ball towards the back post and that is a good tip around from Kyle Leatheran where Joan Roy Younger just crowded out of it there in the heart of the Sunderland midfield and here they come down this left-hand side once more they've had uh, quite a bit of success down that flank so far Ryan McLaughlin being given a bit of a torrid time the ball is into the back of the net ball across and after 13 minutes Sunderland take the lead here at the Stadium of Light. Ball across from the left-hand side and a finish with a right foot from five yards out. Leatheran gets a hand to it, but he couldn't quite do enough to keep it out. It's Sunderland 1, Morecambe nil. Is it Lyndon Gooch? I'm not too sure he got on the end of it. Just poor from Morecambe, really. I think you've got to be looked to, you've got to look to clear that ball across. Too easy for the uh, for the attacker to get across his man and, and slot home, possibly through the legs of Carl Leatheran, but for all the pressure that, uh, that Sunderland have been piling off, piling on in the opening uh, stages of this game, up until now we have defended well. And it was Ross Stewart, Sunderland's top goal scorer with his 11th of the season, providing the finishing touch. Leatheran got something on it, I thought he'd done enough to just get it round the post, but it just bobbled over the line. That might be a foul there from Callum Jones, but uh, the referee allows play to continue because Sunderland again they've got another man over yet again over on this left hand side it's going to be played in it's a free header it's 2-0 and we just didn't pick the man up and that's twice now that Sunderland have got in down this left hand side that time it was a header four yards out Kyle Leatheran rooted to the spot and already a mountain to climb for Stephen Robinson's man after 17 minutes it's Sunderland 2 Morecambe nil. It's always going to be difficult against a side like Sunderland with the quality that they possess, but it's, it's so frustrating. Again, you know, it's goals that we need to be doing better at. McCallum will get to That's it. a That's great a very, ball. very good ball indeed. Oh. oh, and he's missed it. I can't believe it. That was the chance to make it 2-1. Lovely ball in from McCalmont. Aaron Wildig had ghosted in at the back post. All it needed was a finishing touch, and he shanked it horribly over the bar. Nodded away by Anthony O'Connor. Only as far as the Sunderland man, 25 yards out, twisting and turning. Winchester's going to get it out towards this right-hand side and Sunderland have got all the room in the world. They might be in at the back post here. Oh, we sold the man a dummy. Shot comes in, it's into the back of the net and that is going to be game set and match 10 minutes into the second half. A lovely move, you have to say. First time of asking. Kyle Leatheran blocked it one-on-one, but Sunderland kept the attack alive. They got in again down the right-hand side. The Morkin left. Ball to the byline, squared across, and it's into the back of the net for Sunderland 3, Morecambe 0. All the hard work that Morecambe made in the first 10 minutes of this second half, 
all of a sudden counts for nothing as Sunderland had a third and if it wasn't a mountain to climb earlier on it certainly is now but sometimes Matt you've just got to say that was a good goal and that was a good goal good finish from Alex Pritchard up and over it goes Greg Lee needs to get his skates on here if he's going to do his defensive backtracking duty and Lee does really well actually to partially block it but Sunderland are in here and twisting and turning away Stewart twisting trucking it onto his left foot yes he can and he finds the bottom corner of Kyle Leatherman's net to add further misery to Stephen Robinson's men on 67 minutes here at the Stadium of Light it's good night Vienna at Sunderland 4 Morecambe nil. and it's Broadhead who twisted and turned inside and out I thought Greg Lear just got enough on a clearance but fell nicely to him and decent enough finish perhaps Kyle Leatheran could have got a better hand to it maybe but it was in the corner low down to his left hand side and Sunderland are absolutely clinical and look like they've got all the time in the world now just to play the ball wherever they like at will and here they come down this right hand side the Morecambe right there left with Alex Pritchard cutting in towards the edge of the box gets it into the feet of Kimpioka on the edge of the area he wants a D give and go instead it's out towards this left hand side Chop comes in left footed takes the deflection up and over and into the back of the net it goes and that just sums up Morecambe's night here at the Stadium of Light a miss hit shot I think it was going well wide just flicked up off a Morecambe defender over the head of Kyle Leatheran and almost apologetically just bounces in off the underside of the crossbar to make it Sunderland 5, Morecambe nil. Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimps Verdict on Beyond Radio. It's the Shrimps Verdict podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio here at the Stadium of Light. Not much you can say really about Sunderland 5, Morecambe nil. We got what we deserved. Defending again, absolutely appalling. We have to do better. And I think we were schooled by a really, really good Sunderland side. And we have to go again. We have to pick ourselves up. We have to find something from somewhere going into a really, really important game. And another massive one away at Fratton Park against Portsmouth on Saturday. And talking of Pompey... On the way in a little while, we'll preview that game with local journalist and co-host of the PO4 Portsmouth fan podcast, uh, Freddie Webb. Ahead of that, though, let's get some reaction to tonight's action here at the Stadium of Light. And after the game, we caught up with manager Stephen Robinson and a very honest assessment of the situation as it stands from captain Anthony O'Connor. We got what we deserved. If you defend like that, the first two goals are incredible. You know, we've a mountain to climb before we've even the game started. We then passed the ball about, we looked pretty. We had chances. Jonah's got a score. Um, Aaron should score. And we have a goal disallowed. But, you know, ultimately, if you're going to defend like that at a stadium like this with good, good championship players in their squad, then you're going to get punished. And we got exactly what we deserve. I'm humiliated tonight and, and embarrassed with the, the result. They made such a quick start, didn't they, to go two goals up to 17 minutes, and it could have been three or four, couldn't it? Yeah, well, I think it could have been two all if we had taken our chances, and I think that's the difference in the levels. You know, in, in terms of the quality they have at the top end of the pitch, they get chances, they take them. We get chances, we don't, unless Cole takes them, if we're being honest. Um, but our defending is, is criminal for the first two goals. I've seen them back, and you give people opportunities to get who are good players, you're, you're going to get punished. 
big turning point maybe now and Wilde's miss in about 25 minutes that could have made it 2-1 and may just have brought it back into the game yeah but you know when you start the game there's no excuses you start the game like that with that kind of defending you're, you're not going to win football matches so yeah Aaron has a chance the hardest bet in the world is to, to score goals um, the easiest bit is defence stay with your men in the box time and time again and I'm repeating myself to the same people unfortunately I was going to say it's it's a bit of a constant theme is it four against MK Dons five tonight it looked quite solid against Buxton on Saturday but the goals you're conceding are killing you yeah, listen, we've lost up until tonight. We'd lost one and five. Um, but there's no excuse for that defending. Um, I know what I need. I need to make changes. Some people are struggling at this level, if, if the truth be told. And we're getting punished by better players than there was last year. You know, when people make mistakes in League Two, you don't get punished quite as often. And at the minute, if you come places like this and gift a team of that calibre two goals to start with, it doesn't matter what you do at the top end of the pitch. You've got players like Pritchard there and the, the lad on loan from Bayern Munich. It shows what quality they've got. Listen, these are a premiership club in reality, you know, and the wages they pay and the squad that they have, the fan base that they have. Um, but that still doesn't excuse, you know, every team has to come here and play against them. It doesn't excuse the defending. Um, uh, it's, you know, it's humiliating. I take ultimate responsibility for it. You know, we're, we're trying to chop and change and find a, a formula that helps defensively. Um, but at this moment in time, we're not getting that. How much of a worry is it as well if Cole Stockton doesn't score, you seem to struggle? Yeah, of course we do. Yeah, that's, that's probably stating the obvious. You know, we've had three great chances tonight. We don't take them. Um, it turns the game, no matter, you know, we did defend poorly, but it turns the game on its head. Um, you know, their crowd potentially turn on them a little bit when the game becomes tighter. But um, ultimately, we weren't good enough on the night and we weren't good enough to cause them a problem. Another big game for your course on Saturday at Portsmouth? Yeah, every game's a big game. Um, it's, you know, another long trip down the road. Um, the excuses need put away. It seems to be that when we go a couple of goals down, you know, if we don't get back straight into it, you know, we, we're quite weak. We've, as I've said millions of times, we're a very quiet squad. I need some leaders in the team. You know, we have to, we have to try and get people to take responsibility and not accept, you know, that, you know, not accept conceding goals and accepting defeats. Yeah, we're at a big stadium. Yeah, we're at a, a bigger club um, with bigger fan base and bigger resources. But, you know, a lot of the things we can still control that we didn't tonight. You've been in the job six months today. We've come so far and we've done so much, but tonight showed that we've still got so far still to go. Oh, listen, I've never kidded myself in terms of the level that we're coming up against, the the level that we have in the dressing room. You know, there's there's players will perform better than that tonight. Ultimately, I've given a lot of people chances time after time. Um, you know, I haven't quite got the quality to replace them yet. And, you know, they've... They've still got four and five games where to step up and show they can do it on a consistent basis. That's the key. We haven't done it consistently. It's one good game, one poor game, one good game defensively and conditions that were incredible on Saturday. Um, no matter who you're playing, you defended well. And then tonight was, some of the defending was was incredibly poor and it's hard to stand here and, and stick up for that. Ultimately, I have to take the blame for that. Well, Anthony, a tough night for you, a 5-0 defeat at Sunderland. Your thoughts on the game? Uh, I'm embarrassed. We're, we're embarrassed as a team. It's... Not even, not even close to what we've set ourselves, and it's been that way. I know for for a while we've been kidding ourselves, thinking yeah we've been doing well. Give us gives ourselves a mountain to climb at against Charlton. Managed to get back into the game. Four 0 at MK Dons. Five 0 tonight. Nine game, nine goals in two games. <laughs> Embarrassed, honestly. Is that a bit of a reality check for you? All? Yeah, just shows what we're up against. You know, it's. 
what 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 do I what do I say? Like I'm just do you know what I mean? I'm just gonna say it's it's not good enough and that's all I can say is that it's simply not good enough. We let ourselves down. As individuals, from one to eleven it's absolutely embarrassing. There's not one person that can come out and say, you know, we were out I was out there and I stand up to I you know, I I've done my job. Nah. Sham, absolute shambles and we've really got to sort ourselves out and you know, Thursday we're gonna have a got to look well tonight we've got to look ourselves in the mirror tomorrow got to look ourselves in the mirror and go you know what what are we actually as a team and what are we are we actually just going to accept that do you know what I mean of coming away to a stadium life where it should be a great occasion for this club and you know show them what we're all about and we just lay down and, and die like that because that, that's what it looked like maybe we didn't we didn't feel like that and maybe, you know we probably didn't think oh, we've not laid down and died but the new, anyone watching and neutrals would think They've just lay down and just died and just and just took it and accepted it and that's what it is an accept an acceptance to to concede soft goals and you know that's just the way it looks go goal down and go two goals down it looks as if we're beat honestly it's it's got to change and things don't get much easier do they Ports before <coughs> Saturday well you know but that's what you get when you when you play against good teams it's you got to stand up now and be counted. Um, like I said, look ourselves in the mirror and Thursday we've got to have a got to have a good conversation with ourselves as a team. You know, forget the staff, forget everyone else, us as a team and as a bunch of boys. Got to have a conversation with us with ourselves and go boys if we if we want to have success and success at this moment looks as if looks as if we're just you know, trying to fight fight off looking over our shoulders and wanting to get up at the league get up a few positions in the league and um you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna achieve that, we really got to look at ourselves in the mirror because at the moment it looks as if we're, we're just going one way, and we've got to we've got to do all we can to change it. What do you think you can do collectively to change it as quickly as you need to change it? Mentality in everything we do. You know, we've we've you know we've probably got sloppy. I don't know. Maybe we probably think we haven't, but maybe got sloppy. In training, maybe intensity's gone off a bit. Probably kidding ourselves, thinking we've done all right. Oh, we've, we've, we've only lost one in five. Let's 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 be honest. We beat Newport. We beat Fleetwood, who are down there as down around us as well. So we've got a draw against Charlton. Can't kid ourselves. Do you know what I mean? When we come to these these teams, there are good teams. And listen, something they're a good team, but we made them look. We made them look like Real Madrid. Do you know what I mean? It's simply not good enough. We've really got, to, like I said, and people are going to look and probably say, oh, they're saying the same things over and over again. I mean, we've, we've really got to sort ourselves out. Finally, one thing the manager does says, he says you're a very quiet team. Does that have to change? Yeah, 100%. And I don't know how you change that with some some boys. And I'm not going to look and say, oh, well, well, I talk and this lad talks. We were we were quiet all over the pitch tonight. Nobody had anything. Nobody, you know, uh, nobody had a had a set. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's the best. That's the best way as I can put it. Nobody stood up and be counted for. Nobody at all on the pitch. Every, every time a goal went in, all right, sorry, it's, it's okay. Got next week. No, there won't be a next week if we carry on. There won't be a next week for some players. So, like I said, no. Um, look at yourselves in the mirror, and it doesn't get any easier. Fratton Park, full house probably. Got to stand up and be counted for. 
Now, as we've been hearing over the next few weeks, more can play three sides around them at the foot of the League One table. So some massive games that could really define the shrimp season coming up for Morecambe Football Club in the next few weeks. But ahead of that, we have another massive game in League One on Saturday. The Shrimps making the long trip south to Fratton Park, the home of Portsmouth. Ahead of the game, I've been talking to Freddie Webb. Freddie is a local journalist and also the co-host of the PO4 podcast. That's a Portsmouth fans podcast. He's a lifelong fan of the club as well. Uh, So the ideal man to talk to to get the full lowdown on all things Pompey ahead of the Shrimps trip there on Saturday. So firstly then, Freddie, thanks for coming on the pod. Great to meet you. Tell us all about the PO4 podcast and your involvement with Pompey. Oh yeah, so PO4 podcast has been going for quite a while now. I started doing it in late 2019, uh, but Hugh, the co-host, has been running it before that. Um, we just chat about all things Portsmouth Football Club, really. Uh, go into detail with off-the-pitch stuff, on-the-pitch uh we regularly get into interviews interviews on of all sorts, ranging from fan channels, fan channels, fan podcasts, even ex-players such as Blamana the Wailua. We had Danny Cowley on at one point, the, the current Portsmouth manager. And yeah, we just do it as a great hobby. And this that podcast was one of the reasons how I got into a journalism career at, at uh, the new Portsmouth local paper. So yeah, it's been great doing it. And if you listen to the PO4 podcast, it's it's what I would describe, Fred, as a proper fans podcast. It, it, you really sort of drill down into the nitty gritty of what fans want to talk about. And I think that's that's just the way that a podcast should be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we always want to get, get down into the detail. Um, that's what fans want. Um, and we try and be as objective as possible. We, we don't want to be one of those fan channels that literally just says everything is awful all the time because, you know, you see loads of those, don't you? But when when things are bad, we just say it how it is most of the time and that goes over really well. Now, from our point of view, Freddie, you are one of a number of, I suppose the best way to describe it is pinch yourself moments that we're going to have as, as Morecambe fans this season. We've already had quite a few of them with teams that we've played already, Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday... Sunderland. We are recording it on Monday night, by the way. Uh, you might be listening to this probably after we've played Sunderland on the Tuesday. So uh, we may all have got walloped or we may have pulled off another shot win. Who can tell? Um, but one of a number of pinch yourself moments of another former Premier League club. There's going to be another big crowd at Fratton Park on Saturday. So from our point of view, it's one that we've had circled in the calendar since the fixtures were out in the summer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, they, they, this league can be a bit strange, can't it? Because obviously I would call them, you know, I'm trying to think, think of the best way to describe it. I hate the word big teams because that's just not not a thing, in my opinion. A- any team can beat anybody in this division is it, it, and it doesn't relate to history or mm. trophies or anything. But, you know, I, I would say recognisable with the, with the Portsmouth, the Ipswich, the Sunderland and, you can, and Wigan, you can keep going and keep going. But... Yeah, well, Morecambe Portsmouth played played a lot re- fairly recently, so it's it'll definitely it's it's still definitely a fixture that other fa- fans of other clubs enjoy uh, going down to Fratton Park because most of the time the atmosphere is top tier, and yeah, most of the time the football on the pitch we'll see because um, it might not be sm- it might not be smooth sailing for Portsmouth. It, it, it's not it's not a cut and dry result beforehand, which we'll go into in more detail. 
we'll talk about uh, the, the game in, on, on Saturday in a second, Freddie, if we may. But going back to the start of the season, when you saw the teams that, that got promoted from Leeds to, I suppose, Bolton aside, you look at the others, you look at Cambridge, Cheltenham, Morecambe, I suppose on paper, three unfashionable sides, if, if you want to call it that. So uh, what did you make of the teams that had come up from Leeds 2? Uh, I thought, well, like I said, I thought Bolton would do okay because they've got Ian Everett as a manager and they play a very, a very progressive style of football. So I thought they'd be fine. Um, I thought Cheltenham would be as well because I saw them in the playoffs to get promoted and they're a very, uh, no, that was the season before, but I've seen them play a fair bit and, and they're a very difficult side to yeah. play against. Very, very nitty gritty. Uh, they had always set up with a long throw and they're, they're just a very organised side. I didn't think Cambridge would do that well, especially since they sold, uh, especially since their striker went to Wrexham. Was it Muldoon? Paul Who scored all those goals? Yeah, yeah. And Morecambe, at first, I thought, okay, with, with, if Derek Adams was at the helm, I thought, okay, they're going to, they're again, going to be a side that's going to make um, teams play against them, really have to battle for three points. But then I saw him leave. There's obviously, whenever a manager leaves, there's loads of ups and downs. But then, then I saw Carlos Mendes Gomez leave and I thought, okay, that's the that's the key player gone. Because <laughs> I, I, I saw him in League Two and he was excellent, yeah. an excellent player. And as soon as I saw, uh, uh, saw that happen, I didn't, hold out that much hope that hey you've got Carl Stockton up front who's scoring all those goals all loads of manner of goals as well and Morecambe were performing much better than many people build them at the beginning of the season so far yeah I think from my point of view we are I think we're victims in a way that because we had a decent we didn't have a flyaway start by any stretch but we had a decent solid start and I think that rose expectations of fans a little bit too high, perhaps. We always knew it was going to be a, a, a survival was the order of the day for this season. I, I think we are maybe a, a couple of points above where I thought we would be at this point of the season, really. So uh, pretty happy, all things considered. That said, we have been on a pretty poor run in the league so in, in the last month or so. You guys, on the other hand, what is it, seven games unbeaten this is before you play tomorrow in, in all competitions like yeah. so uh, seven, you're seven, just seven, seven or eight games so you're just hitting form, yeah. a few goals so yeah. you're just in form at the right time yeah before the before the Harrogate game on Saturday <laughs> but we'll discount that shall we <laughs> certainly in the league I, I suppose it's it's one of those you're in that good run aren't you and um, I suppose on one hand we might be coming to you on Saturday at the wrong time uh yeah, not necessarily. Or we'll the see. Um, don't, don't tell the story, I suppose. Yeah, of course. Well, but before this excellent run, Pompey were on. Pompey were in a bit of a mess, um, losing heavily to Rotherham and Ipswich. The 4-0 defeat at home to Ipswich was dire. Um, I think tactically and the fact that the players' heads dropped so far that, you know, you, you, you've seen those games yourself as fans where, where you can tell the players of your own team, they're so low on confidence that they can't do what they usually do on the pitch when you know that they can do better. And I think that's been the main reason for Pompey's uptick in form. It was getting a few results together early, then the confidence built on itself, and then the 3-5-2 with the, with the pressing style of football really helped, and it lifted a lot of players who were playing badly beforehand. Um and yeah, but even with that being said, though, I'm not sure how Pompey are going to line up against Morecambe because of uh, the injury issues, uh, mainly the injury issues, because the 
last week there was a sickness bug that went around the team. Um, eight players affected. Two of them couldn't start against uh, Harrogate on Saturday. That was Joe Morrell, our, probably our best signing, Wales international at centre midfield. And George Hurst, who was starting at centre forward, um, he was missing. So we'll have to wait and see. Louis Thompson, another centre midfielder, also injured. Um, that's not really a sickness bug. Uh, he got a hip injury. Oh, it, the sickness bug wasn't COVID. It was a flu type thing. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's the, that's going to be the main theme of for Pompey this week. It's uh, what side is going to come out because of uh, the injuries and selection issues. And that has been a thing that's dogged this side most of the season against Gillingham at Priestfield. But Danny Cowley technically didn't have a proper, a, a natural centre-half to pick um, in that game, as much as Steve Evans said that he did, which was quite funny. <laughs> but but yeah, I think that's been the main thing. With, with the selection issues that Danny Cowley's had most of the time to starting pretty much from scratch, that's probably the main reasons for the... Um, the long stretches are not doing any well, but then the then the high point of stringing a lot of results together. Pompey are going to be very, they're going to be a streaky team, very hit and miss, I think. Um, we'll have to see how January goes. But yeah, those are the main themes before the game on Saturday and the reasons for the good form at the moment. So Danny Cowley then as a manager, Freddie, obviously got the, the reputation by bringing Lincoln City up, up from non-league. Uh, into the third tier, and is 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 been a bit hit and miss, you say, for for you guys? Um, I would say uh, on the pitch results wise, hit and yeah. miss, and there have been a, a few small tactical tweaks in games that Danny Cowley, I think, got wrong. But overall, breath of fresh air, mm. completely different to um, when K Jacket might manage the side, and it was always going to be like that. The main thing, the main difference, aside from the passion off the pitch on the touchline and how candid and honest his interviews are most of the time. The main thing for me is his impactful substitutions. I think most of the time, his substitutions are either changing the formation or slightly tweaking where, where a player is on the pitch or tweaking how they're playing, where they, where they pass to, and just the overall substitutions. They're all impactful. There were so many times when a sub was made and it completely flipped the game on its head where Portsmouth were peeing out for a draw or a defeat and then we got a result. Those, that's the main thing. And most of the fans are behind the Cowleys because, well, Danny and Nicky Cowley always come as a pair. They're, yeah. t- they're tight at the hip. Yeah. And th- long-term, they are the managers where I think which will get Portsmouth up eventually. And that would entirely depend on how supported they are in the summer um, and whether results on the pitch go okay. We'll have to wait and see. But no, uh, nothing wrong with the managers at all. Breath fresher. And I suppose not ever so long ago, you could, you, you could easily have got promoted if things would have been just gone slightly better for you. Uh, but back in the day, yes. I think the, me- the two main seasons where promotion was a thing was 18-19 um, and 19-20. Um, not last season, two seasons before and three seasons before. 18-19, I think we had the best side that we'd had with key players like Matt Clark and Jamal Lowe who have gone yeah. on to play in the Championship. Um, lost out in the playoffs, unfortunately. Just that one, one game, tactically got it wrong and individual performances were poor. That's all it takes. Same, same with the playoffs the season, the season after that against Oxford. And that became a pattern where the fans thought, OK, we're picking up results in mid-season, but in the important games that truly matter, they'll drop up, we'll drop off. And we did eventually. It was in a nutshell that happened. So um, 
yeah, that, it was an end of an era last season, but now the fans are looking forward to a new one. Let's talk about Saturday then. Uh, Freddie, you've already alluded to uh, potential formations. Personnel on the field aside, give us a general flavour of, of how Pompey are playing this season, formations, players to watch. Tell us everything we need to know. Okay. Um, general style of play, uh, hyper-aggressive pressing attacking football most of the time. Um, Pompey are one of the most aggressive pressing teams in the league by an analytical passes allowed per defensive action. They're right up there with Rotherham and Wigan, who are obviously promotion candidates. When Pompey press aggressively, they force errors in the opposition back line, retake the ball, and then the aim from there is to attack as quickly as possible without being too direct. That, that makes it very adaptable. Yeah. Uh, the side can control possession if they want to, um, depending on who they're against, but they could also go direct in the right, right way where they're not always looking for the direct ball all the time, but if they see an opportunity, they take it. Um, Formation-wise, I would expect them to go 3-5-2. Um, they've been pre- playing 3-5-2 a lot this season. I think that's Danny Cowley's preferred formation long-term, depending on uh, the players we have. Um, so, yeah, I... I that's that's the formation where I think um, it allows Pompey to control the game the most uh, going forward and in the midfield. I think that's why Cowley likes it. Um, or if there's too many injuries, it'll be a back four, four, two, three, one. Uh, and key players, I'll give you some players at both ends of the pitch. Gavin Bazunu, excellent goalkeeper, a Republic of Ireland international. You might have seen him save a penalty against Ronaldo on loan from Manchester City. He is he's the real deal. Yeah. I expect him to at least. In a few years' time, uh, battle it out with Edison to be Man City's starting keeper in a few in a few years. He's that good already, um, and he and he is the he's a major stop. Very active out of his goal, commands his area very very well. Definitely a major player for Pompey. Um, if he's fit, I mentioned Joe Morrell, Wales international, bought him from, Pompey bought him from Luton Town, absolute steal. Um, he oozes class and he dictates tempo in the centre of midfield very well. If he, but he could also, but he's also physical and mobile enough to not get pushed off the ball all the time. He, he's that complete all-round centre midfielder. Where if he plays, Pompey can control a game. If he doesn't, then it's a bit of an issue. Um, and then going forward, um, Marlon Romeo, right wing back on loan from Millwall, he's had an excellent season. Um, will definitely provide lots of problems on the right-hand side because he loves to dribble, loves to go forward, take on the full-backs, put in deep crosses while being defensively sound himself. And then the forwards to watch out for, because um, in the 3-5-2, sometimes the players are 3-4-1-2, so they sometimes have an attacking midfielder behind the two, two forwards. Not all of them are strikers. Marcus Harness, if he plays in behind, excellent playmaker, in my opinion. Drifts out wide uh, to link up with Romeo really well, but whenever he plays century, it, it centrally, excellent playmaker, but is now adding goals to his game. He's got eight league goals this season. Um, gets in the right, gets in the right place again. Not afraid to take on a defender, um, and has definitely got an eye for goal now. And there's Ronan Curtis, who is an, is a battler in every sense of the word. Um, fits the pressing style of play down to a tee, always chases down loose balls, gets stuck in. 
he's a bit lippy off the he's a bit lippy away off the field and whenever whenever he fouls someone or gets fouled he's a sort of player who if he was on your team you absolutely love him but if you're an opposition fan you hate his guts he's that sort of player Olympics, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah those are those are the main players to look out for but it all depends on if they're fit um Morel is a maybe but presumably Bazunu Romeo Harness and Curtis will probably all start on Saturday so we're four three three as a, a general rule, uh, flat back four with pushing. I wouldn't say overlapping wing backs necessarily, particularly, but pushing on full backs, shall we say? Um, triangular midfield with a halt with an anchor and, and and two that push on a little bit further, and then a central striker and two out and out wingers. So uh, an interesting matchup there. We've come up against a lot of uh, three at the back. And, and wing back teams this season uh, with mixed results, it has to be said. So uh, interesting to see how that plays out on Saturday. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it will entirely depend on the personnel that Pompey play if they do well or not. Um, defensively, if um, you'll have Sean Raggett in the middle, tall, extra, a tall, proper, proper centre half in every sense of the word. Um, defensively sound, um, he will be charged with probably. Man marking Stockton the entire game, probably. Um, if if crosses go anywhere near him, he's very good at those aerial duels. One of the best in the league at that. Um, but if it, if he if he's left isolated on his own in the defence, and you've got a striker or a winger running at him, he doesn't do that great. Um, you'll have Conor Ogilvy on the left hand side of the back three, who's again defensively sound, fairly solid player. The weakness, I think, for Pompey at the moment is at right sided centre back. Because you've got Kieran Freeman playing there, who played for Sheffield United, was part of the side that was in the Championship, got promoted. He is not a right-sided centre half. He's a very good defender, but I don't personally like him at right-sided centre half. He doesn't fit as much, well as I as he should do. That's the weakness, in my opinion. So if Morecambe have a very good left winger, I can't remember who a left wing, left winger is. Excuse me, but if he's if he's allowed a lot of space to attack on that side, that's a key weakness. Um, and at left wing back, it depends who plays. Lee, probably Lee Brown, if he's fit, who's a fairly solid up and down defender. Um, I prefer him as a left back, really. But at left wing back, he can still do a job. So if if Morecambe can get behind Pompey's two centre midfielders in the middle, attack, um, well, Morecambe's left-hand side, and isolate Sean Raggett, uh, they could create a lot of chances that way. Um but apart from that, Pompey are usually defensively sound. It's when they cough, lose the ball in midfield and the opposition attack quickly. I think that's the main weakness, in my opinion. I'm sure you've seen some of Cole Stockton's goals this season, Freddie, especially the ones that he's scored from range, the one from the halfway line against Fleetwood, the 40-yard lob against AC Wimbledon. He's very good at receiving the ball to his feet with his back to goal 25, 30 yards out. He'll then try and roll his marker and then plough forward towards the penalty area. So that's where we will get tactics. So if you've got a man that can that can man mark him very, very closely, uh, that's probably your your best uh, technique to, uh, to to keep him quiet. Um, yeah, potentially. that It'll either be Sean Raggett doing that or if, um, if Morel... Joe Morell or Sean Williams are playing in centre midfield. It will be one of them doing it so Raggett can sit back a bit so it's a more solid back three. But uh, yeah, those are the ways that Pompey will try and mitigate Colston at least. How good are you at, uh, well, two things really, 
the one the, the couple of areas where Morecambe this season have conceded a lot of sloppy goals is from set pieces, offensive set pieces, corners, free headers, cheap free kicks on the edge of the box, all this kind of stuff. We we seem to give those away far too easily. General play, we are nice and tight. We don't usually get played through and, and opened up in that regard. It's usually from from set pieces, second, third phases, not not picking up just that switch off for a second which I suppose is the difference between League One and League Two football isn't it you can't get away with it so much in League One and you're punished for it so how good are you at offensive set pieces and how good are you at scoring goals in the last 10 minutes of games because we've also conceded a lot towards the end too Uh, last 10 minutes of games is a major one for Pompey I'd say because well Think of the last-minute goal against Gillingham, late goal against Wickham, yeah. and that goes back into the Danny Cowley liking to adapt to the formation and switch and do impactful substitutions. So that's going to be a major thing for Morecambe fans to watch out for. Set-piece goals: Pompey have scored two goals from free kicks. One of them was um, Rico Hackett against uh, Lincoln City away. Um, but that wasn't a traditional set piece. He smacked it against the wall, ball went straight back out to him and it was a volley around the wall, which was very nice. Um, and yeah, Pompey, uh, I just double checked in the league, haven't scored from a corner. I don't think they scored from a corner, actually. Um, most, most of the goals that Pompey created have been from set pieces, uh, not from set pieces, from open play. We'll put um, that right on Saturday. Then. By, unlo- by unlocking defences and so on. Um, they do love a last-minute goal, though. So that's... Uh, Definitely something to keep an eye on, but yeah, I think two goals from two goals from free kicks. Uh, that one that I mentioned by Hackett, and I think the other one might have been from a traditional set piece, but I can't remember off the top of my head. And no league goals from corners. That's a semi relief and a semi worry in equal measure there. I think so. We'll see how that one pans out. The one thing I've noticed, Freddie, between League Two and League One is the intensity and the relentless pace of games. There doesn't seem to be any any fixtures that we've played so far. In League Two, some games were played for the whole 90 minutes, pretty much at pre-season pace for most of the game. You don't get that. In our, in our experience of the 19 games we've played so far, we haven't got that. It's always been 100 miles an hour for the whole 90 minutes. And that is the, the, the one big... Thing that I think we sometimes we struggle to adjust to is is getting used to that ferocity, and that's what Pompey try and do for yeah. most of their games. Whenever whenever they control a game, they're relentless out of possession while controlling in possession. They they dictate the tempo of the match. So in yes, in League Two, I've, I've watched a fair bit of League Two, and so, and sometimes the pace, the the difference in pace between League One and League Two, I think is the main thing. Mm. Uh, some 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 of the teams that go up or have the quality on the pitch to stand out in League One you don't see so many sides go up and down it's not a given but like you said the main difference to me is just the pace of the game and the, and the movement off the ball yeah. out of possession that's the main thing and that's one of the things that when Pompey play really well their movement off the ball is crisp and the, and the, the, the attacking players are always in the right position making the right runs mm. when they're not playing very well they don't do that and they're very static which I'm sure is what Morecambe fans have noticed with their team as well. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, yes. <laughs> Some games more than others, of course. Uh, so prediction time then, Freddie. I, I suppose you're going to say a home win on Saturday. Of course you are. 
Like I said, I don't know. I don't know how how this side's <laughs> going to set up. This is going to be very weird. Uh, I'm going to go with a two a two one Pompey win. I think um, the most common scoreline. Uh, <laughs> we've stopped on the goal because I don't think we can man, uh, Pompey Pompey's defence will man mark in the entire game. But yeah, I think Pompey are favourites for the game, and fingers crossed from my point of view, they should do all right. Yeah, we've we've got uh, as I say, we are recording this on on Monday evening. We are a bit euphoric because we've just drawn. Spurs away in the FA Cup so we're all a bit on cloud nine as a result of that but uh, in terms of league action we are playing Sunderland and then yourselves on Saturday then we've got three of the current bottom four over the Christmas period so a little bit concern I think it's fair to say I think if we get a point against you on Saturday that would be a fantastic result I think from Pompey's perspective I think for a free but I think most fans look at it Partially due to results, but more importantly, how they're playing on the pitch sometimes. Um, I think away from home, uh, the fans look at the results more. Like against Gillingham, I think it, it, that game had a nil-nil written, written written all over it with how both sides played, but Poppy nicked it in the last minute. Um, but at home, people look at the performances a fair bit more. Uh, if Pompey draw the game, but, but, but uh, control the game really... There'll be a lot of frustration, but then it will it'll peter out if other results go, go our way. So, yeah, it, it, we'll have to wait and see, I think. Just bear in mind, we have led twice away at Ipswich. We've beaten Sheffield Wednesday. We were 2-0 up away at Wickham and absolutely playing them off the park and then just fell to bits in the last half an hour. Uh, we've got a draw against Plymouth. So we can do it against the the more fancied size in the league. So what are your ambitions then, Freddie, for this season? Is it consolidation? Is it just a good solid season or do you think you can break into that top six? Uh, before, the, before the start of every season with Pompey in League One, the aim is always promotion, no matter how, how, how no matter whereabouts the side is. Most fans, including myself, predicted a finish of somewhere between 7th and 10th, I think because of the high turnover of players, the new manager, the new style of play, the new everything. Mm-hmm. But with the recent run of form, I think it will entirely depend on if Danny Cowley gets backed in the transfer window. Um, fans and Cowley himself are looking for a right-sided centre-half and a centre-forward. If, if two major players come in, it might be the difference where Pompey are more fancied for a player uh, to finish in the playoffs or not. I, don't, I think the side's too weak to go further than playoffs, I think. But most fans are hoping for a playoff spot, I think. But if but if Pompey miss, um, it'll be gutting, but it'll be another season of uh, working things out in the summer. Seems a tough League One this season. Arguably, and, and you might know better than me on this one, Freddie, arguably the toughest League One that has been for some time in terms of the makeup of the division. It's similar to... Um, 2018 19, I think. Um, because back then, um, Luton, Luton Town ran away with the division, but also Barnsley under Daniel Stendhal were an exceptional yeah. League One team, uh, I think. Um, and all the playoff sides were in and around it. You could have made an argument for Ports of Sunderland and Charlton, three of the four playoff sides going up. You could have argued for any of them. This season's been a drop, but that, but like you said, there are so many teams this season. They're up there for various reasons. You have teams like Rotherham, who are a bit of a yo-yo side, but they've got an excellent manager in Paul Warren, and they've got a deep squad, and they've had a few seasons in the Championship to have, have bigger finances. You've got 
teams like Ipswich and Wigan with new chairman who are splashing a load of money around, um, which is going well for some teams rather than others. But they're also implementing their style of play. And then you've got the Portsmouth and the Sunderlands who have been, who have been in League One now for a while who are setting things up. There are so many teams you could argue for. Even, even teams like MK Dons who play exceptional football but are usually unfancied by people who don't look at League One very closely because they always look, oh, there's Wigan, there's Wolverham, there's Portsmouth, there's blah, 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 there's Sunderland. But teams like MK Dons play exceptional football and you can't ignore you can't ignore them either. So there's so many teams you can make an argument for for getting a playoff spot or automatics, I think. Yeah, we, we lost 4-0 to MK Don, so we'll, we'll gloss over that one a bit quickly, I think. Uh, Freddie, thanks very much for coming on. Fantastic insight. Uh, fascinating to get the point of view of uh, one of the bigger clubs in, in League One. Hopefully we've, we've drilled down uh, significantly into, uh, into the way things might be panning out on uh, Saturday. Give us a sales pitch then, finally. The PO4 podcast and uh, Pompey News Now and, and everything to do with Portsmouth Football Club. How do we get hold of that and how do we listen to it and enjoy it? Okay, so if you want, if you want to uh, find out about the podcast, you can follow at PO4cast. It's like the postcode. Um, you can follow that on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Pompey News Now has some blogging content from its, from its aspiring journalists most of the time, young guys who are looking to try and break into the industry, but also know a very passionate about their football club that's where I started so if you want to look at that Pompey News Now or one word on Facebook Twitter and Instagram or at PompeyNewsNow.com if you want to delve even deeper and go more traditional you could look at the News Portsmouth the newspaper I work for I don't work on the sports desk but the sports desk is excellent Um, Neil Allen Jordan Cross and my other colleagues, they write exceptional work about Bombay. So if you want to delve in even deeper, you can look at that newspaper online as well. Um, but yeah, the, it, if, if Morecambe fans want to know more about the club, there are lots of places to go. Or you, you could also look at FanHub, which is a um, a content platform app where which has Pompey, all the Pompey News Now's work on it and the podcast. You can look on there as well. Great. So, Freddie, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, I suppose good luck for the rest of the season. I think you've got every chance of getting in that top six. So, uh, good luck for the rest of the campaign after Saturday, of course. (laughs) All the the same to to you, Dave. Thank you very much for having me on. A huge thank you to Freddie Webb, local journalist and co-host of the Portsmouth Fans Pod, the PO4 podcast for all things Pompey. A great preview there ahead of our trip to Fratton Park on Saturday. If you can't make it to the South Coast, full commentary, of course, on Shrimps Live of Portsmouth against Morecambe on Beyond Radio on 103.5 and 107.5 FM. Also on DAB Plus Digital Radio across North Lancashire and South Cumbria where you can listen for free. Or, of course, you can subscribe and listen online or watch via the iFollow Shrimps platform. Myself, Dave Salmon and Matt Smith from the Shrimps Media team bringing you the whole game live from Fratton Park. Join us from 2.45. We'll look forward to your company then. And thank you for your ears and listening to this podcast too. We always appreciate your company and we'll speak to you next time. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio.